Good morning, the afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crush with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And the 2020 NFL Draft is just over three weeks away, and arguably the main headline of this year's draft is the wide receiver prospects. Many around the NFL and the draft world strongly believe that this group of wide receivers could go down as the best draft class in history at the position. Given the unreal depth and talent the 2020 wide receiver class possesses, that belief is warranted. And joining us to break down this tantalizing wide receiver crop is Marcus Mosier. Marcus is an incredible NFL draft analyst who also hosts the Lockdown Cowboys podcast, serves as the managing editor for the Raiders Wire, which is the USA Today fan site for the Las Vegas Raiders, and he also contributes to many publications, including Pro Football Weekly. It's a pleasure to finally have you on the show, Marcus. How are you doing? Uh, David, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me, sir. You're very welcome, Marcus. I've been meaning to have you on for quite a while, and it's finally a pleasure that the day has come. And over the weekend, you released uh, your wide receiver rankings. As of now, they're still subject to change, as we still got mm-hmm. three weeks left before the draft. But at the moment, you currently have C.D. Lamb as your top receiver. Now, there's an argument for Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs as the number one receiver in this class, and uh, many teams are going to have each of them as number one on their board. So why do you think C.D. Lamb deserves that title more than most right now? Yeah, so uh, I'll start with this. I think it's incredibly close between Lamb and Judy. On my board, I've got just a one-spot difference between the two. Um, so it, you know, you're really picking nits here when you're when you're looking at this wide receiver class, and uh, who a team likes may depend on you know the style of offense they play. I can certainly see teams that you know value quickness and route running and the ability to play the slot liking Judy over Lamb. Uh, but I've just fallen in love with Lamb's game. Uh, at six foot one, 198 pounds, he plays way bigger than his size suggests. Uh, I think he's the best receiver in this class after the catch. Uh, he had an incredible 10-yard split uh, at the NFL Combine, and that matches up with what you see on tape. Uh, somebody who explodes off the line of scrimmage, can win when the ball is in the air, can win after the catch, can absorb contact. Uh, I think his ability to catch outside the framework of his body is fantastic. Uh, just a lot of shades of DeAndre Hopkins to his game. And even he's, I would think he's a little bit more athletic than DeAndre Hopkins, but that's the ceiling. That's the type of player you're getting when you're drafting CD lamb. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned his uh, yards after the catch ability, like the fact how he's still able to break a lot of tackles and he maintains a lot of that juice for long stretches of time. That tells you the kind of playmaker he is, doesn't it? Yeah, and what I love about Lamb, too, is uh, he's produced with three different quarterbacks, right? He's produced with Baker Mayfield there, uh, Kyler Murray, and then Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, in a lot of different roles. He was our punt returner this year. Uh, We've seen him play out of the slot. We've seen him make plays down the field. Just not a lot of weaknesses in his game, and I think he projects as a wide receiver one in the NFL. Uh, Yes, and some... uh uneducated folks there I say were uh, nitpicky at his uh, 4.5 uh, 40 time but that said do you think he runs faster than that uh yeah yeah I think that's about what he plays at but again it, it's never a concern right yeah. uh his his physicality and his aggressiveness after the catch certainly make up for uh not having elite speed but it, this isn't certain you know this isn't a slow player right four five oh for a receiver of his size is perfectly fine. Uh, Again, I have no concerns about his long speed at all. As nobody should, I completely agree. And there has been buzz building for quite a while now that Henry Ruggs will indeed be the first receiver off the board on April 23rd. 
And it does make a ton of sense since Ruggs appears to be the new wide receiver archetype NFL teams prefer after witnessing the success of similarly skilled players like Tyree Kill and their ability to dictate coverages, which gives defensive coordinators headaches. However, you have another speedster in TCU's Jalen Rager, mm-hmm. ranked one spot ahead of Ruggs at the moment. Why are you slightly higher on Rager than you are on Ruggs? Yeah, so let's go ahead and start with this. I actually expect Ruggs to be the first receiver drafted when we get to, to late April. Um, he, he wouldn't be the one that I would pick, uh, but there's several teams inside the top 12 and 13 of this class uh, that believe Ruggs is the best in the class. Uh, now, I like Rager because I think he's a little bit more versatile than what Ruggs is. Um, he's, uh, he's bigger. He came out of the combine 5'11", 206. Uh, not quite as fast, but dynamic, uh, somebody who can really make plays after the catch. I think he does a better job of separating than what Ruggs does. Uh, and then his ability to attack the ball in the air uh, is just incredible for a player of his size. Uh, you see a lot of similarities to uh, Stephon Diggs, who now plays with the Buffalo Bills. I think Rager is even more explosive than uh, Diggs. But I think that's a a guy that has the potential to be a number one receiver in the league. And with the, with the NFL going with more of these guys that can separate early in routes, uh, you know, can win within the first two and a half seconds of, you know, the snap being released. Uh, I think Rager makes a lot of sense early in the first round. Ooh, very interesting take there. And I've definitely heard that Stefan Diggs comparison for Jalen Rager. But a lot of people are going to point to some of his combine performance, notably the 40 time in the three cone where he relatively underwhelmed. But a lot of people say that the additional weight he put on at the combine was partly to blame for that. And if he had trims down, those times would have been much faster. Do you share that view? Yeah, I actually was able to talk to Jalen Rager about a week ago about the combine. And it certainly wasn't uh, what he was expecting uh, he, he actually has some arguments. He thinks he, he ran faster and the electronic time was off a little bit. I don't know about that. But uh, what I can tell you is that the 10-yard split was still fantastic. And that's really the thing that I look at most with the receiver. Can you win quickly off the line of scrimmage? Uh, he can. Um, you know, he put on about 18 pounds before the combine. You know, he played in the 190, 185 range last year at TCU. Uh, will he play at 205 in the NFL? Probably not. Uh, so I do think you'll see a quicker player on Sundays than maybe what he tested at the combine. But overall, not concerned about his athleticism at all. The the broad jump and the vertical jump were fantastic. Uh, the three cone and the shuttle don't really match up. But again, I think that's partly because of uh, the new change in the combine schedule and some of the added weight. Um, but this is still an elite, elite athlete who should find his way in the first round. I, I would think somewhere between 20 and 25 more more than likely. Oh, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned uh, Henry Ruggs and the buzz that uh, you and I have been hearing about him being the first receiver off the board. It's not just the teams in the top 12 or 13. You got the Broncos at 15, the Mm -hmm. Eagles at 21, and do not sleep on the Saints at uh, at 24 even. Uh, Even though they've just got Emmanuel Sanders, uh, they're going all in in the final one or two years of Drew Brees' career. So those teams could be threats, legitimate threats, to jump all the way up to 10, 9, or 8 uh, because, uh, like, there's been buzz about the Cardinals and Jaguars and Browns keeping their options open to trade down if their desired target is not there. So uh, you could see a serious bidding war for Henry Ruggs, and uh, the team that picks Henry Ruggs might be a team that's picking far behind in the order right now. Yeah, let me actually give you two more teams. Uh, Minnesota at pick 25. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that could certainly be a team. You know, they just lost to Fon Diggs. Uh, they have now two first-round picks at 22 and 25. 
Could they try to get up, you know, maybe in the 12, 13, 14 range to get rugs? I think that makes some sense. And then another one is Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore has a lot of picks in this draft. It's a team that owns pick 28, uh, pick 60. They have, I believe, three third-round picks, a host of fourth-round picks. Uh, they don't have a lot of needs in the roster, uh, but could they go up, you know, maybe give up a, a first and second to try to go get rugs and pair them with, uh, with Marquise Hollywood Brown and try to have the fastest wide receiver core in the league? I, I think that's at least a fun possibility that needs to be thought about. Oh, it absolutely does, given the fact that Eric DaCosta, unlike his predecessor, Ozzie Newsome, he is much more aggressive and much more willing to sacrifice capital to get his guy. So the Ravens are definitely a team to watch out for in what will be a jam-packed sweepstakes for Henry Ruggs. And I've been hearing buzz that some teams view Ruggs' teammate, Jerry Judy, who you have just slightly behind CeeDee Lamb on your board at the moment, as a slot-only wide receiver. Do you share that view? And if so, is that a big reason why you could see him sliding out of the top 15 and making a team like the Cowboys pounce at 17? Yeah, so Judy is one of these guys that was talked about as a top 10 pick all season long by the media and all of us on Twitter. And I think that was always a little rich. Um, I, I think when you compare him to former Alabama receivers, uh, he's not quite Amari Cooper, but he's a better prospect than Calvin Ridley. Now, Calvin Ridley went 27. Amari went four. I kind of think if you split the difference there, that's probably where he goes. So probably in that 12 to 17 range is where uh, Judy winds up. Uh, luckily for us, we have a lot of uh, film on Judy playing on the outside in 2018. He shifted into the slot in 2019 uh, because it was just a better fit for Henry Ruggs and some of those other receivers. Uh, he put up massive numbers uh, you know, in both the years playing both in the slot and the outside. I don't have any concerns about him playing on the outside, but I do wonder if his best football might be in the slot in the NFL. So if he can go to a team, let's use the Dallas Cowboys, for example, uh, and you know where they have Amari Cooper, they have Michael Gallup on the outside, but they really need a slot receiver. I think he could go in there and dominate. So depending on the team, yeah, I think, I think Judy might be a full-time slot receiver in the NFL. Oh, absolutely, especially a route-running maven like him, at, uh, and especially his uh, frame, which is uh, not the heaviest. Uh, that definitely could make a lot of sense for Judy to reach uh, his full potential. And uh, one of the biggest winners at the Combine was Justin Jefferson of LSU, who ran a 4-4-3 in the 40. And Jefferson was obviously one of college football's most accomplished receivers last year, as uh, he was one of the most trusted targets of Joe Burrow's in that uh, historic season that Burrow uh, posted last year. However, several have voiced similar concerns about Jefferson as some have about Judy. Do you think Jefferson could be a good boundary receiver as well as a reliable slot option? Yeah, this is a difficult one for me. Um, I'm having trouble slotting uh, Justin Jefferson you know, in my wide receiver rankings because we only saw him as a slot receiver last year. I mean, that was the only spots where he played. He only played five snaps on the outside last year. And if you break down the routes that he used, most of them were screens and slants. Uh, that didn't require him to, to use a lot of high-end route running to, to create separation. It was a lot of him just finding a soft spot in, the, in a zone and letting uh, Joe Burrow find him. He benefited greatly from having uh, Jamar Chase, you know, the number one receiver in the 2021 class, opposite him, opposite of him. But uh, he goes to the NFL Combine, puts up monster numbers, uh, 4-4-3, 40-yard dash at 6-1, 202, uh, great jumps. Um, I think Jefferson is one of these receivers where I don't think you want to rely on him to be your number one, uh, but I do think he has a high-end ceiling uh, as as a number two receiver. So 
Um, you know, if you're looking at the bottom of the first round and he goes to Minnesota and playing opposite of Adam Thielen, I do think that makes sense. But if he's the number one receiver on the Eagles or on the Dolphins, I think that could be trouble. Oh, very good point there. But uh, Jefferson was one of the big winners at the Combine, but arguably the biggest winner of the entire draft process up to this point has been Denzel Mims from Baylor. I saw Mims with my own two eyes dazzle everyone down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and he continued that uh, amazing uh, slew of momentum at the Combine, where at 6'3", 207, he ran a 4.39 in the 40 and posted a freakish 6.66 time in the three-cone drill. Now, some buzz suggests... That not only could he go in the top 20, but mm-hmm. he also could be the third wide receiver taken, if not the second. Would it surprise you if he gets selected before Judy or Lamb? It would surprise me if he's drafted before Lamb. It would not surprise me if he's drafted ahead of Judy, just because I do think a lot of those tools are really hard to find. Again, this is somebody who uh, you know, ran in the 438, had a 151. 10-yard split. The the six 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 three cone is just absolutely insane for his size. And then when he has the production that he has from Baylor, he went to the Senior Bowl and dominated every one-on-one rep there. Uh, he's got that prototypical outside size. Would it shock me if it seemed like the Raiders at 17 or at 19, excuse me, had the choice between Mims and Judy and they went with Mims instead? No, it wouldn't. I I think Mims has certainly got uh, himself in the conversation to be the second or third receiver drafted. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And uh, given the success that other freak athletes of that big a size like Cortland Sutton uh, Mm -hmm. had last year, uh, Mims, uh, he's even faster in a straight line than Sutton. So teams that loved Cortland Sutton in uh, 2018 will absolutely love Mims this year, won't they? Yeah, I, I think a lot of teams that value physicality too in the receiving core are going to love him. Again, uh, I, I think Baltimore makes a lot of sense because that's a bigger receiver with speed. They drafted a Miles Boykin last year, uh, a similar ty- type of player, uh, but Mims is just a, a, a much better athlete. Uh, Green Bay could be interested, San Francisco, uh, Tennessee, to pair him with A.J. Brown, who uh, is, a, is a kind of similar type of athlete. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see where Mims falls in this draft. Oh, it absolutely is, and I'll say this. If the 49ers could get Derrick Brown at 13 and Mims at 31, oh, my God, they just double down and uh, and, and intend to go back to that Super Bowl and win this time. So uh, that could be a, ver- a dream haul for the 49ers. And uh, given the circumstances we are in with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, a receiver likely to experience a drop-down boards is LaVisca Chenault of Colorado. Mm. Chenault, he re-aggravated that naggy groin injury at the Combine and his extensive injury history, coupled with the fact that there will be no med rechecks this year, likely suggests that he could be one of the best possible draft bargains this year. Keep in mind, uh, Chenault, even though it didn't say so at the Combine, on tape, he is a freakish athlete who threatens all three areas of the field, uh, and you could use him in a multitude of ways. How far do you see Chenault falling, and what is the earliest spot you'd be willing to pull the trigger on a rare athlete like him? Yeah, I do think um, he could benefit a little bit from the success of Debo Samuel last year. Uh, you know, one of these gadget type of receivers where you know you can hand the ball off to him three or four times a game. You can get him the ball on screens, and he can make plays. Uh, but the injury is going to knock him down a little bit. However, I still think, you know, at the top of the second round, I think there's some situations and some spots that make sense. Um, You know, Denver is a potential uh, landing spot at 46. Uh, The Colts at 44. They took Paris Campbell last year. Could they draft another receiver to to give for Phillip Rivers? I think that makes some sense as well. 
Uh, the Eagles draft at 53. If they don't get their receiver, uh, you know, early in the first round, I think he could be there. But I think somewhere between that range of 40 to 55 probably makes sense for Chenault. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's uh, where most mocks still have him going. And uh, the Broncos, uh, being close to Boulder, they might have more intel on him than those other teams. So it wouldn't be a surprise if that's where he ended up, especially if the Broncos are unable to trade up for Henry Ruggs or one of the top three receivers uh, on their board. And now it's time to play my favorite game here on Sports Crunch, and it's called Buy or Sell. And in this game, I'm going to mention the name of a wide receiver prospect that we have not discussed yet, and you tell us whether you buy or sell their long-term future in the NFL and why starting with T Higgins of Clemson a guy who could see an even bigger mm. slide down the board because of his uh, underwhelming uh, times at the pro day and uh, his uh, iffy performance at the combine um, uh, even bigger than Chenault as far as it dropped on the board buy or sell T Higgins uh, yeah I'm selling T Higgins I was a fan of his tape early on but now you go back and watch it knowing what you know about uh, some of his failures at the pro day the 166 10 yard split is downright awful. There's just not a lot of success stories uh, with guys of that lack of speed. Um, I also think Trevor Lawrence, you know, there at Clemson gave him a little bit of a bump in terms of production. Uh, I just worry about these guys that don't have the speed and the ability to separate in today's NFL. Brandon Ayuk, uh, Jim Nagy, mm. the director of the Senior Bowl, said that many teams had him graded higher than his uh, former ASU teammate, Nikhil Harry, who went 32nd overall to the Patriots last year. But as Matt Miller Bleach Report reported this week, he could slide all the way to the third round. Do you buy or sell Brandon Ayuk? Yeah, I like Ayuk quite a bit, so I'm buying him. I, I think he's probably a little bit overmatched to be a number one receiver, but as a number two, as a high-end number two, I like him a lot because he can make plays down the field. Just a massive wingspan. Uh, he's getting, he's ascending as a player. He can play on punt returns. He can get, do stuff on kick returns. Uh, I, I do like him. Anytime after the top 40 picks or so, I think he's a value. Uh, another guy who um, a dazzle at the combine was Donovan Peoples-Jones of Michigan. Mm. Buy or sell? Yeah, one of my favorite players in the draft that's not getting enough buzz. Uh, I'm absolutely buying Donovan Peoples-Jones. His quarterback situation was awful at Michigan. Uh, this was the number one wide receiver recruit uh, in his draft class. A great athlete, uh, you know, a guy that has the size and speed that you want on the outside. Also a fantastic punt returner. I think he's having better days in the NFL coming up. So if he can end up in the right situation with a coaching staff that can maybe develop him, uh, take away some of that rawness in his game that he has, I think this is the guy that has a chance to be an absolute star in the NFL. USC's Michael Pittman, buy or sell? Uh, I'm buying. Uh, very similar prospect to Cortland Sutton, who was drafted by uh, the Broncos two years ago in the second round. Uh, not the most physical receiver, even with his size, uh, but can make plays down the field. He's actually pretty good on some of the short area stuff. Uh, you know, the speed certainly isn't an issue. Um, had a fantastic season with you uh, with USC. If you get a chance, go watch the Utah tape, the best wide receiver tape I've seen all year. I'm buying Michael Pittman. Another guy I saw down in Mobile, Devin Duvernay of Texas. Buy or sell? Mm, this one's tough. Uh, I think Duvernay is a fifth, fourth, fifth round receiver, probably just a slot only. I worry a little bit about uh, the lack of wiggle to his game. He needs to be in the right situation to utilize his skill set as a slot receiver who can make, down, make plays down the field. Uh, but I'm probably selling right now at his current price in the you know third, fourth round. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And his Texas teammate, Colin Johnson, who had a fantastic week at the Senior Bowl, buy or sell? 
Uh, that's another tricky one. Uh, Colin Johnson, probably a day three receiver, was maybe the top senior receiver entering the year. Uh, Duvernay kind of overshadowed him. Uh, I'm buying him uh, as a day three receiver who can give you some stuff in the red zone and then on third downs, on slants, comebacks. Uh, I, I like him at that point in the draft. Yeah, and another potential bargain on day three is Antonio Gandy-Golden of Liberty University. I interviewed him down at the Senior Bowl. He has a very inspiring story growing up in uh, Chicago's violent Inglewood neighborhood and now a chance to uh, be somebody's uh, top two or three receiver in the National Football League. Buy or sell Antonio Gandy-Golden. I like this tape quite a bit at Liberty. You see a little bit of Devontae Parker do his game. Uh, But my biggest problem with him is he's just a little bit too stiff. Uh, I don't really worry about the 40 time as much. He ran a 4.60. It's just the stiffness in the hips that have me a little bit concerned. So I'm probably selling. And another potential value on day three is Van Jefferson, the Mm. son of Sean Jefferson, former NFL wide receiver for the Chargers and Patriots, currently the wide receiver's coach for the New York Jets. Van Jefferson also had a good senior bowl. So Van Jefferson out of Florida, buy or sell? Yeah, Jefferson was one of these guys that doesn't have the ideal measurables, uh, not a super athletic receiver, uh, but was productive at Florida and then, you know, before that at Ole Miss. Um, But he has a foot injury now. I just worry about some of those guys that get drafted on day three, and that's probably where he's going to go, kind of getting buried on the depth chart. Uh, Because of the injury and the injury alone and the being 23 years old already, I'll sell. And K.J. Hamler, he's a receiver that could go pretty high given his speed. So buy or sell K.J. Hamler. Mm. This is a tricky one because is he Deshaun Jackson or is he Tavon Austin? Yeah. Uh, the answer to that question might depend on uh, you know how healthy he is. He, I, I've heard he was running in the 4-2s uh, before he got injured, before the combine. Um, I, I think the fit is going to be important. I hope somebody just doesn't slide him into that Tavon Austin role because I think he can make plays down the field. But given how valuable speed is in today's NFL, if he can go to the right team and be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three for the first couple of years uh, and kind of develop into that role, I do think he can have a lot of NFL success. So I'm going to buy him right now. For the record, I think uh, drafting this guy in round three is better than drafting K.J. Hamler in round two because I do think K.J. Hamler is more on the Tavon Austin side of the spectrum than he is on the Deshaun Jackson side of the spectrum. And the guy I'm talking about who you should wait for to take in the third round as opposed to jumping on Hamler in round two is John Hightower out of Boise State. Buy or sell John Hightower. Oh, this is a great one. I just watched John Hightower the other day. Uh, skinnier receiver, a little bit more linear than you look, you would expect, but uh, very similar to Kenny Stills. But I agree with you. I'm buying a third-round pick. Probably more likely you can get him in the fourth round. I think that's a better value than K.J. Hamler in the second round. And last but not least, Daniel Jeremiah tweeted about this guy today. He thinks he has the best mitts in the class. That is James Prosh out of SMU. Mm-hmm. Buy or sell? Yeah, Prochet had a nice uh, senior bowl, was able to basically grab up every pass that he was uh, targeted. Uh, My problem with him is outside of his hands, does he do anything at an above average level? Uh, And the answer is no. The shuttles weren't good. Uh, You don't see a lot of agility in his game. He's a long ways away as a route runner. Uh, Probably a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. And at that point, I'm probably taking somebody with more upside. So I'm selling here. 
He is Marcus Mosier, ladies and gentlemen, the host of the Locked On Cowboys podcast, the managing editor for the Raiders Wire, and a contributor to many notable football outlets, including Pro Football Weekly. You can follow him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. That's M-O-S-H-E-R. Marcus, thank you so, so much once again for joining us and donating your time and your talent, your immense football knowledge, especially on this wide receiver class with us here today. But before we let you go, we want to get your opinion on what the best possible team fit is for some of these top receiver prospects starting with cd lamb what would be the most ideal landing spot singular for cd lamb yeah i think it's the raiders that pick number 12 uh they really need an outside receiver with some size uh, i really like some of their complementary options with hunter renfro and darren waller i think in john gruden's west coast offense i think he could come in right away and have a thousand yard season with the raiders Oh, absolutely. And teaming him up with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, who's arguably a top five tight end right now. Woo, Derek Carr is going to be smiling. And Jer- Jerry Judy, what's the best possible team fit for Jerry Judy? Ooh, this one's difficult. Um, I, I think Denver makes a lot of sense if he can get there at pick 15. Uh, Cortland Sutton is the guy that can kind of make plays down the field with physicality. I think having somebody like Judy who can play in the slot and in the outside, who can get open quickly for Drew Locke, I think that's a perfect fit next to Cortland Sutton. I agree as well. And what about Justin Jefferson? Best team fit for Justin Jefferson? Yeah, I think the Saints at pick 24. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is probably not a long-term option for them. They need somebody else outside of Michael Thomas with some athleticism, with some speed. Uh, Jefferson can play in the slot. You can keep Michael Thomas outside. I think at that point in the draft, getting Jefferson would be a good value for the Saints. I agree. And what about Henry Ruggs? Like I mentioned, there's going to be a bidding war between several teams to trade up and get him. Uh, This one's difficult uh, because I think there's a lot of teams, obviously, that want him. Uh, But what's the best situation? What about Tampa at pick number 14? Giving Giving somebody for Tom Brady to throw down the field, draw some coverage away from Mike Evans and from Chris Godwin. We know that Bruce Arians likes to attack the ball down the field uh, or throw the ball down the field. I think putting him in that offense would make a lot of sense. Oh my God, it, it would easily be the most lethal threesome Tom Brady has ever thrown to in his illustrious career, in my opinion, with Ruggs, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Oh my goodness, that would be great. Uh, what about Jalen Rager? What's the best possible team fit for him? Yeah, I think in Minnesota, I picked number 22 or number 25, very similar to Stephon Diggs. You're getting him at a cheaper price. Uh, you're getting a younger version who has been pretty healthy throughout his college career. Uh, they are Minnesota already knows how to use that type of player I think that makes a lot of sense late in the first round. And last but not least, what is the best possible team fit for Denzel Mims? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I'm really struggling to kind of find a spot for him. Uh, but I, again, I really like Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee has, you know, they have AJ Brown. They want to be really physical. That's what Brown is. Uh, giving someone like Mims gives them more speed on the outside, uh, gives Ryan Tannehill another reliable seat receiver. I really like the combination of Mims and A.J. Brown in Tennessee. Thank you very much, Marcus. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back with more of our 2020 Dash to the Draft series very soon over the next three weeks. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Marcus. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at D. Crown 59. For Marcus Mosier, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and of course, stay awesome, wash those hands, stay home, stay happy, and stay healthy. (laughs) 